Hi, this is Rick Thompson, the pastor at Living Water Community Church. This is our podcast, and I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this message builds your faith and blesses you. Please enjoy it. Good morning, Living Water Community Church. I hope everyone is doing well. I hope everyone is safe. And I'm glad that you're able to tune in and join us today. My name is Sean Ogilvie, in case I haven't had the honor of meeting you yet. And I am the worship experience pastor here at Living Water Community Church. I want to do a quick thing before we get started today. And really, it's a, it's a quarantine update. So I guess my first question is, is, how many of you have gained weight since the quarantine started? I can tell you that for me... The quarantine has not really been so good for me, but not in the ways that a lot of other people are, are struggling. I know some people are, you know, having a hard time with the kids being stuck at home or having to work from home and maybe bumping elbows with their significant other. You know, all those different things happen. None of those have really been an issue for me. But why I say the quarantine hasn't been good for me, um, a little more specifically, is the quarantine hasn't been too good to my waistline. And the reason why, if I can blame something for her, for it, <laughs> is my wife. During this quarantine process, my wife has decided to take up a new hobby. And that hobby happens to be baking. And come to find out, she's really, really good at it. So in my house, we are having things like chocolate cakes and carrot cakes and we have bagels made at home donuts made at home i think there was there's been cupcakes i think she even made some chocolate chip oatmeal cookies she's made donuts from scratch and i tell you there's nothing like waking up in the morning to the smell of some fresh bread right out of the oven to eat for breakfast so I'm so thankful for my wife but I'm my waistline does not thank her but all in all God has been faithful through this quarantine and I want to give him thanks and give him praise because things could be a lot worse than they really are we find ourselves continuing to keep an eye on the COVID-19 pandemic and although we may temporarily lock the doors of the church building, out of, an, out of a, an abundance of caution, that is, the church is not closed. So let me say that again. While the, 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 the doors to the building may be locked, the church is not closed. Church is not canceled. And God willing, it never will be. I'm grateful to God for all he's done as he's been navigating us through this whole thing. He has been present, he has been faithful, and God is still on his throne. He's alive, and he's still working things out. Amen? Amen. Has God spoken to any of you during this quarantine? Maybe. He speaks to people all the time. But specifically, during this quarantine, have you gotten any, any words or, or anything from God? I think he's told me that I need to go on a fast, but not for spiritual reasons, if you know what I'm trying to say. 
kind of joking around there, but I feel like God speaks to me most through music. And there's been a number of times in my life where I believe God revealed something that he wanted to say to me using music. And before you think I'm talking about like 88.1 or 89.7 Christian music, I'm not. I'm talking about regular, secular music. And that's really ironic for me. Why? Because when it comes to music, I'm really not a lyrics person. I'm much more of a beat person. When I start hearing that beat bumping, you know, I start feeling a vibe. But it's not really so much about the lyrics. And I think that's a good thing, especially because nowadays, there really isn't too much in the way of lyrics anyway. I mean, if you happen to listen to any secular music, you'll see that for yourself just by taking a quick listen to the first song you hear. But recently, I was listening to a song by a relatively new Jamaican artist um, by the name of Coffee. And when I'm listening to this song, um, it's a very popular song. The name of the song is Toast. And I found myself meditating on some of the lyrics in the song. And I promise you, it was as if I was having a revelation while I was in the shower. Oh, yeah. Well, I was happening to listening, listen to the song while I was taking a shower. True story. And the, the revelation from one lyric led to another revelation and to another revelation and to another revelation, which really is the entire basis of what I believe God has put on my heart to talk about this morning. It's a very relevant message with a lot that's going on today. I do believe that God still talks to us, and I do believe that God still gives us inspiration even today. I do believe that he is wanting to work through us today. I'm going to play a part of the song, Toast, the inspiration in the shower song for me. And we'll do a quick test to see how much of the lyrics you can catch. Let's play the song. That's Toast. That's a quick snip of the song Toast. Maybe you've heard it before. Maybe it's the first time. But I promise you, that song, I'm meditating on the lyrics. So I want to kind of go over some of the lyrics really quick because this is, this is just a, a thing. I'm a, I'm a Jamaican. I hear a song that I'm, that I'm vibing with. I want to share it with the people that I love. So let's look through these lyrics really, really quick and see what they translate into because there's a lot in this song. First line is, Can't ball in a life, man. Really, how do I translate that? I translate that to, don't whine about life. Blessings we are reaping with course in a handful. We're receiving a lot of blessings along our walk. When a rise and boast, we are staying humble. Yeah, we give thanks like we need it the most. 
We show appreciation as if we are desperate. We have, to, we have to give thanks like we're really supposed to. Be thankful. We owe him thanks and show our gratitude. Blessings all upon my life, and My life is blessed. We thank God for the journey, the earnings. I thank God for what he's brought me through and given me. Gratitude is a must. I have to thank him. There's so much that we could talk about in just these few lines. We could literally go build, a, build, build sermons and talk about this, meditate on this all day long. We could expound these and really see how much this is relevant to, to the way that we could and should live our lives. But instead, all I'm going to do today is I'm going to use just the very first line of this song that God gave me while I was showering as the jump-off point for the message entitled, Victim Playing to Devil Slaying. So the very first line of the intro of the song, Kyanbal in a life man, that translates to, don't whine about life. And I believe that God is further, further translating it today in a relevant way to say, don't play the victim. Don't play the victim. How many, of you, how many of you have heard that term before? Playing the victim. For those of you unfamiliar with the term, here's a good definition. Victim playing, also known as playing the victim, victim card, or self-victimization, is the fabrication or exaggeration of victimhood for a variety of reasons, such as to justify abuse of others, to manipulate others, a coping strategy, or attention-seeking. Now, if we break apart the phrase, we see the word playing in there, right? Victim playing or playing the victim. When I hear the word playing, I automatically think of another word. You could probably guess it if I asked you, if I said playing, what's the first word that comes to mind for you? Well, for me, it's game or games, right? And I truly do believe that there are many people playing the victim, playing these games knowingly, and they're doing it intentionally, as if it's a game. Don't raise your hand if that's you. Now, on the other hand, I really do believe that there are many people who play the victim, but they do it unconsciously. They don't realize it. They don't know that they're doing it. I really believe that. It's very possible that this characteristic of playing the victim can be passed down from generation to generation. You see, when you're young and you, you're seeing how your, the older folks in your, in your family operate and what they do and your parents and your brothers and your aunts and your uncles and you see the way they act in certain ways or the way they respond to certain things, Sometimes, somehow intrinsically we learn that and we start to emulate that behavior. So some people grow up and are kind of just fed into this, this, this playing the victim and they don't even necessarily know it because it's all they've ever seen. It's all they've ever known from the time when they were at an age of, of, of being impressionable. So there's a lot of people, I believe, that don't even know it, don't even realize it. Um, there are a lot of, there's a lot of examples I could talk about as it relates to playing the victim. Things, things related to race, things related to gender, things related to social status. 
you name it. But I don't think that's my best approach. That's not what I want to talk about and the way I want to talk about it this morning. So instead, I'm going to try and help you out and consider this a, a free introductory therapy session. And even though we're having some fun here and joking around a little bit, I'm going to ask you just for a moment here to, to really get serious and to do an honest self-examination. I think it's the first step that we need to follow. And I believe that this examination is the first step as we are walking through to be removed from a state of bondage. And yeah, I said the word bondage because I believe that playing the victim is a form of bondage that plagues many, many people. Here are some signs of someone who is playing the victim. One whose own life is on hold. They're stuck. They can't move forward. No matter what they can do, no matter what happens, they can't progress past where they are. They just keep being stuck and don't know how to move to the next step. One who can't stop comparing themselves to others, especially when the comparison paints a worse picture for themselves. That's another sign. Another sign, one who easily causes quarrels. You know those people who it seems like whenever you're talking to them, they're just waiting for you to say something that they can jump on and latch on and respond and start an argument. That is a sign of someone who's playing the victim. One who feels sorry for themselves constantly. I've been dealt a bad hand. Woe is me. Look how hard I worked and I didn't get any further. That's a sign of someone playing the victim. And one who takes no responsibility or very, very little responsibility. It's everyone else's fault. This happened to me or I can't get ahead and it's everyone else's fault. It's never their fault. It's everyone else's fault all the time. Now, I want you to be honest with yourself and, and think of those of that I just said that would apply to you. And I want you to know I'm doing the same. I'm doing the same self-examination that I'm telling you to do right now. And if you realize that one or more of these things do apply to you, you, my friend, may be playing the victim. You may know it already, or you may not even realize it. So whether you find that you're playing it unconsciously or not, I'm sorry to be the one to tell you that it is a form of bondage. And part of what this bondage interferes with is our identity, who we are, who we are and who people see us as, right? And we're going to come back to that word identity in just a minute. But right now, it's important to know that God wants you to be free from bondage, all forms of bondage, including playing the victim. He wants you to be free. Very, very important. We're going we're gonna to talk about that a little more. Now, based on, on your honest examination, if you believe that you have been playing the victim, and maybe it's to a small degree, maybe it's to a large degree, but if you believe that you have been playing the victim, the first step in moving from that playing victim into a devil-slaying mode, because that's where we're going with this. We're moving from playing the victim into moving into 
a devil slaying mode, the first step is to simply acknowledge that you've been playing the victim, whether knowingly or not, and decide for yourself if you want free from that bondage. I can't imagine why you wouldn't, but that's a question that's between you and God. That is the first step. I, acknowledging what you've done, but then also declaring that I want free from that bondage. And just take a look back at the signs that I just gave you and ask God for help. And confront each and every single one of those things that you find to be true in terms of those signs in your life. I'm going to say something else, and I want to give you a little tip here. God has given each of us a brain that is more capable than any supercomputer in the world. I mean, you've heard of IBM's Watson, this super amazing that computer that has artificial intelligence and can help answer questions and all that stuff. And it's a very powerful um, computer. It's a great feat of technology, but I promise you that the brain that God has given each of us is much more powerful, much more capable than any supercomputer out there. We just really need to tap in on how to best utilize it in alignment with God. And we're going to get to that point in just a moment. You see, in light of all that's going on in our country right now and all that's going on in the world, I had a, a recent conversation with my, my, my sons. I have three young boys. And I asked them what they knew. What have you heard about these, these different topics that are going on, relevant, current, today topics, um, most of which they really were not very knowledgeable about. When I brought up different things, they were not knowledgeable about those things. And to be quite honest, they really were not that interested in these things either. And the first thought that came to mind is, wow, that's a blessing. It's a true blessing that my young sons have been able to grow up not looking through lenses of different races or social statuses or ages when they make decisions in their life. My kids have never decided to be someone's friend based on what color they were or how they looked. They really just cared, is the person nice to me? Do they treat me good? Do I like to be around this person? Can I hang out with them? Do they share well with me? That's what my kids are thinking about, and that's all they should be thinking about, if I'm perfectly honest. And if there is one kid in the batch that, that doesn't treat my, my son right, guess what? Maybe he doesn't not too interested in being that kid's friend, but that doesn't automatically disqualify the whole batch of kids. That one apple doesn't spoil the bunch when my kids are looking at each other and looking at um, other, other kids their age. And to that, I think that's a blessing. And in my opinion, we can learn a lot from kids. We can learn a lot from the way kids see things in their own innocent eyes in that regard. And at the end of the conversation that I had with my kids, the most important thing that I wanted them to take away and I wanted them to really, really understand is that they are not to believe everything that they hear. And they are not to believe everything that they see or everything that they read. 
They are not to just follow the pack in order to fit in just because it's what, you know, pop culture says or what the common, the common thought is. They are not to follow that just to fit in. All I want for them, and this is the tip for everyone listening today, is for them to use their own brains for themselves. Use their own brains for themselves. God has given us a brain. We should use it in alignment with his good work. Now, what does that mean? When we use it in alignment with his good work, that may mean that there's things that we used to see a certain way that now all of a sudden, oh, well, when I give it more thought and I peel back the onion and I really dive a little deeper, I realize that, oh, well, that seems to be contrary to what I believe the Word of God would say, the direction of the Holy Spirit. So maybe I need to pull back a little bit on this, or maybe I need to completely change the direction that I'm going because I'm going this way, or I've been going this way, but when I really stop for a second and think about it, you know, all, all God indications are indicating that maybe I should be going that way. Now, I want to warn you with that. When you start to engage that God thought in your brain, in your supercomputer up there, you know, it can lead to being in complete opposition to the people around you. You know, perhaps to the point where there may be some people that unfriend you. There may be some people that decide to stop following you. God forbid that ever happens, right? But this shouldn't be a surprise that this happens. As a matter of fact, it's biblical. James 4.4. Don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? I say it again. If you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. John 15.19. The world would love you as one of its own if you belong to it, but you are no longer part of the world. I chose you to come out of the world, so it hates you. In other words, if you think like us, and you agree with us, and you do what we say, we like you. You're cool. But if you don't, if you're in opposition, if you don't agree with us, you're out. You are canceled. That is what's happening today in our country. Which brings me back to a word I said just a little while ago. That word was identity. So I want to ask a question. What or who do you identify as? Now, as I'm asking that question, I realize that that question asked today in 2020 is very different than that question asked 20 years ago. Very, very different. So I'm really not looking to start uh, how many genders are there discussion today because that's the question that comes up a lot when, you, when this topic is brought up. And you can call me intolerant all you want. But unless something in biology has changed from the time of creation of human beings until now, there are two, two regular scenarios. 
an XX chromosome combination results in a female, and an XY chromosome combination result in a male. Period. End of science lesson. So again, because I don't want to waste time on that debate, I'm going to actually change the question that I'm asking a little bit. Chat asked a, I'm going to ask a different question to get to my point. And the question is this. Who do you say Jesus is? In the scriptures, Jesus asked his disciples, who do people say I am? And his disciples replied, saying, well, some say you're John the Baptist. Some say you're Elijah. Some say you're, you're one of the other prophets. Um, it's not in the scripture, but I believe that some people probably said, Jesus, oh, he's the crazy guy over there. He's the weirdo that's over there. You know, he, that guy over there, he's a little bit different. And there's probably some people that even said, you know what, Jesus, I don't know about him. That guy just seems to be marching to the beat of his own drum. So Jesus followed up with another question, slightly different, but much more important. The question he asked is, who do you say I am? And Peter responded saying, you are the Messiah. You see, Peter identified who Jesus was. And that identification, that understanding, that belief unlocks power. As a result of identifying who Christ was and their position in Christ, and that understanding and that believing, there's a lot of power that we have examples of that was unleashed in the Bible. Here's just a few examples. As a, as a result of that, Peter walked on water. Peter and John healed the lame man. Peter's shadow, his shadow fell on the sick and healed them. The shadow healed them, just them being in his shadow. Um, Peter healed um, lame Aeneas in Lydda. Peter raised Tabitha from the dead. Paul, Paul cursed and blinded Elimas, the sorcerer. Paul and Barnabas healed the crippled man who had faith. Paul touched people with aprons and handkerchiefs. They laid the cloths on the sick and demon-possessed, and they were healed. He touched their aprons and their handkerchiefs, and when those were put on the, 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 the demon-possessed, they were healed. Paul raised um, Eutychus from the dead. Paul was unharmed by a poisonous snake bite. Paul healed Publius's father. Paul healed all the sick people on the island of Malta. And if you think that Peter and Paul are the only, only examples, I'm sure that you'll remember this one. There was a woman that had an, had an issue with blood. She had an issue for 12 years with her blood. And just by her believing, identifying who Christ was, by touching his robe, she was healed of her, of her disease, of her situation. Last example. 
at Jesus' crucifixion, there was two thieves on either side on their own crosses. And one of them identified Jesus as the Messiah, identified who he was. And as a result of that identification and asking for forgiveness, the power of salvation came upon that thief in a moment. He was saved in a moment right before he died. Folks, there is power in the name of Jesus. Amen? That question Jesus asked his disciples was extremely important. Extremely important. And the truth is, that question is just as important now as it was back then. Who do you say he is? Who is Jesus to you? With all that's going on in our nation... I actually feel that we could up the ante and say that that question is probably more important now than it ever has been. Because with all that's going on, it feels as if we are drawing very close to the end days. So the question is simple. Who do you say Jesus is? And do you identify yourself in him. That's the critical question. That's the critical question on this path from coming from victim playing or playing the victim into a mode of devil slaying. This is the 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 fork in the road. This is where the decision is so so important. Because without that understanding, understanding who he is, and how we identify with him. Without that connection, nothing else that I'm going to say today matters. If we can't get to that point, if you are not at that point in understanding that we have things that we need to address before we can move from one step into the next step and actually be effective for God, nothing else I say is going to matter. Nothing else will apply. As a matter of fact, with today's common culture, we'll just use this term that everything else I'll say today would be canceled if we can't get that right, if we can't understand that. But for those of us who have connected it, for those of us who do have the understanding, for those who have, in fact, plugged themselves in, for those of us who have responded the same way that Peter did, I want to encourage and remind you that there is freedom in the name of Jesus. There is healing in the name of Jesus. There is deliverance in the name of Jesus. There is victory in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. Amen? So what should this freedom and this power of identifying ourselves in Christ look like? Or should I say, what do we need to know about this as we move from, from being these you know, victim players into being devil slayers powered by Christ? What do we need to know? How do we move into this, this mode of being these devil slayers? Again, powered by Christ. Because this is where the rubber meets the road in a very practical way. The stuff that translates from just biblical doctrine into 
real-world application. How do we do this? What is our, our task here? So I want to give you a few points to, to know and to apply as we prepare to be a devil slayer. First point, ask and allow God to renew your mind. Romans 12.2, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. The scripture is saying we have to allow God to, to help us change the way we think, the way that we see things through God's lenses. Philippians 4.8, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. So the, so the opposite would be true, right? If, it, if it's not one of those things, don't give that any brain power. Don't waste time thinking about things that don't meet up to that criteria. Colossians 3.2, think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. So these scriptures are very clear in telling us that we need to renew our mind, but also what the focus of that renewal should be on the things that are not around what we see here, but on godly things, on what God would have us do and the way he would have us see things. We need to get our brains in line with God and use our supercomputers in that way, in alignment with God. Don't allow yourself to fall, <clears throat> to fall victim to the plans of the enemy by just going along with what the world says is good. Because there's a lot of things out there that the world is going to say is good. And this is what everyone is doing. And this is worth fighting for. That are a complete opposition to what God is saying. And if something seems too good to be true. Or if everyone is going in one direction. That should probably cause you to stop for a second and question. If it's that good. Is it really true? If everyone is on the same page going in this direction, maybe I should really stop and make sure I understand what's going on and maybe peel back the, peel back the onion a little bit and make sure I understand what's going on, maybe a, not just on the surface, but a little bit below that, right? Let me use this supercomputer to make sure that I'm not just following something, but that I'm really understanding something for myself and that I'm aligning that understanding with what God would have me do. Also, you need to know, you need to ask and allow God to build you up. Isaiah 41.10, don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. Amen. 2 Timothy 1.7, For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. Jeremiah 29.11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Growing in our knowledge and understanding of God is essential in this walk. It is absolutely critical in this walk. 
especially, especially if we're going to be effective for him. You see, that's, it's great to be saved and to, to become a Christian. And that is the first step if that's, if that's where anyone is at today. There's nothing wrong with that first step. But ultimately, being effective and having an impact for God should be the goal. We should not be comfortable simply checking the box that we've accepted Jesus, we're Christians, we show up to church when church is open, and then we go about our business. If we're not being effective in impacting the world, or our, and the world can literally be our household, or our business place, or our circle of friends, if we're not, if we're not even doing that, then I'm really que- I would question, wow, am I even really doing anything? I mean, other than calling myself a Christian, great. Am I doing what God would have me do? Am I fulfilling the plans and the purpose that he has for me? I want to suggest something to you that if your life as a Christian is so perfect and runs so smooth and there's nothing that comes up that's of any real challenge or opposition, anything of significant um, restraint against you, uh, I would almost say you may want to question how effective you are being for God. Because you may be so ineffective that the devil may not feel a need to really put up much of a fight against you. Sorry if that sounds harsh, but it may be a question just to ask. How effective am I being? Am I, am I bothering the devil? Is the devil... Is the, does the devil have a reason to be unhappy with me? And if he doesn't, you may want to question, is there more that you could and should be doing to be effective for the king? Growing comes from spending time with God and asking him for strength and asking him for courage and asking him for more boldness, asking him for wisdom, asking him for eyes to see, asking him for ears to hear. And asking him for opportunities to be his man or to be his woman in our communities, in our families, in our schools, in our workplaces, on our sports teams, wherever it is. God, God may just want you to be waiting for the opportunity to be his man. So ask him, Lord, give me an opportunity. This is all part of the process of, of asking God to allow him, or asking God and allowing him to build us up. And finally, what's important to know as we move into this mode of devil slaying, you need to know that you are not in the fight alone. You are not alone in this fight. James 4, 7, so humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Really important. God is saying, if you humble yourself before God, and you resist the devil, so there's work on our part, you resist the devil, he will flee from you. He doesn't flee from you because he's scared of you. But he sees the God in you. He sees your, big, your, your daddy right behind you, and he knows that he can't face him. So the devil will flee. Joshua 1.9, this is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Philippians 4.13, for I can do everything through Christ 
who gives me strength. Deuteronomy 31.6, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave, leave you nor forsake you. This should be very, very comforting. And once you understand this, it really changes the way that you look at life. It really should. Because all of a sudden, those issues that, that seem like they were boulders or they seem like they were mountains start to look like little hills or little pebbles. You know what I'm saying? Like, things may be bad. We may see things as being really, really bad, all that's going on. But I promise you that with God alongside us and understanding that he has our back and we have the power of God with us and looking through God's lenses, I promise you that things are not as bad as they seem because we recognize that the king is still on his throne and he has never been out of control in a situation. When you realize that the God of the universe is on your side of the fight, it puts a new perspective of, in things. Especially when you realize that the root of the fight, most times, is rooted in the spiritual realm. When you understand that there's a lot more going on than just what we see and feel and touch, it's that much more important to make sure that we are aligned with God who will fight on our behalves. We have access to the Holy Spirit to guide us through life. And we have the power of God on our side. You also need to know that we all have the same access. We all have the same access. We all have the same ability to be a devil slayer. There isn't someone that has more access and more ability than someone else. There just may, may, maybe someone that's plugged into a certain level and dedicated enough so they've become more effective. But that doesn't mean that they have more access or more ability. So you need to understand that. But in order to do that, we need to first acknowledge any of those areas that are holding us back. Some of the examples that I gave with, with playing the victim. But, but it takes us taking that first step, you know, by faith and trusting that God is faithful and willing to work things out and work things through us and enable us to be effective for his kingdom. Amen? God is so good. God will do what he says he will do. He will work things out for our benefit and ultimately for his glory. But it all starts with having a relationship with him. Everything I said here is really the, 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 the power that can come upon us as we mature and as we learn and as we grow. But it all starts with first having a relationship with him. And I don't want to assume that everyone watching here already has made that decision to enter into this lifelong relationship. Um, so I want to give everyone the opportunity. And really, I'm giving you the opportunity to make what I believe is is the most important decision anyone can make in their life. And if that is where you are today, if you want to make the decision to align with God and accept Jesus as your personal, direct Lord and Savior, 
I'm going to lead you in a simple prayer. That's all it takes. There's no magic in the prayer. There's nothing specifically special about the words. It's really about the condition of your heart. And at the end of the day, God is the judge, and he is the only audience. So if that's you today, I would ask you in the quietness of your home, wherever you are, you could be in your kitchen, you could be in your, in your, your bedroom or living room, just go ahead and close your eyes right where you are. Bow your head right where you are and just follow these simple words. Father, I come before you today and I acknowledge that I need you. Father, I ask that you would forgive me of my sins, that you would help me to stop playing the victim or stop putting myself in compromising situations. Lord, I pray that you would start to renew my mind, that you would change me from the inside out. I thank you for the sacrifice you made 2,000 years ago with your son. Lord, I, I pray that I never take that for granted. I acknowledge who you are, Father. And I ask that you would, you would guide my steps, you would order my steps from this day forward. Father, right now I ask that you would come into my heart and come into my life, that you would give me eyes to see, Lord. You would give me ears to hear. Father, that you would help me to, to focus my brain, my supercomputer, with you that I would no longer simply follow what the pack says, Lord, but that I would be inspired by you to make sure that I'm rowing in the direction you would have me row, even if it's upstream and against the current. Father, give me boldness, give me courage, give me strength. I thank you in advance for saving me. I thank you in advance for all you're going to do. I thank you for loving me. I thank you for caring for me. I praise you. I honor you. I give you all the glory because you, you deserve it, Lord. I thank you. Come into my life. Come into my heart. Thank you, Jesus. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you so very much for listening to this message. We hope you were truly blessed. If you were, please subscribe to our podcast, if you haven't already, and share it with a friend. Doing so will cause the seeds of God's word and the message of his love to spread like wildfire. So thanks again for partnering with us in this important way. Stay thirsty. For Christ, my friends, until the whole world hears. God bless.